Hey, so we've been in the book of Galatians for many, many months now. We're actually going to uh, be finishing the book up here in the month of January. And Paul's really been arguing that there's two ways a person can live their lives, right? They can live their life uh, pressed into God out of his resources, trusting in him, or trying to do it themselves, trying to earn what God has already freely giving, trying to live the Christian life out of their own uh, shame or guilt or self-discipline or, um, you know, just buckling up and trying harder or living out of the resources of the Holy Spirit of God. And um, what he's really, I want to read uh, the message version of what events just read because I, I think it um, helps. So let's kind of, I'm going to read through that together. This is again, Galatians chapter 6, 7, and 8 in a different uh, version. It says, don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. All he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's spirit do the growth work in him, harvests a crop of real life, of eternal life. Now, really what he's saying is this, and this is a principle that runs in the background of your life every single day. And the principle is this, you reap what you sow. Now, most of us know this, uh, but we sometimes forget this principle, and I'll tell you why. Because there's, and we'll talk about this several times today, but there's always a lag between what we uh, sow and what we reap. And so because the consequences aren't often immediate when it comes to reaping and sowing, we sometimes forget the power um, of this principle. I mean, think of, of it this way. A farmer sows seed in the spring, but he doesn't harvest, right, until the fall. He has to wait. There's a lag between when he plants and when the harvest comes. And I also think if it was more immediate, we wouldn't uh, forget it as often. I mean, think Pinocchio, right? Every time he lies, his nose grows. So every conversation he has, he has to navigate that conversation because if he lies, the consequences are immediate. But because there's a lag uh, in the law of uh, sowing and reaping, uh, we sometimes forget its power. And uh, uh, really, the, the principle of sowing and reaping is really about taking responsibility for your life, right? And I want to say a couple things. Um, God has given us this principle, the principle of sowing and reaping. Um, and like gravity... Uh, this principle isn't good or bad. This isn't even a religious principle. This is just the way the world works. So if an apple falls out of a tree and you're sitting under the tree, that apple's going to land on your head, right? That's what the law of gravity says. And in the same way, sowing and reaping is just a law. It's just the way the world works. This isn't about religious jargon or a religious thought. This is just a thought about what, it, what is and what's true and what's real. And so what I'm telling you, whether you're an atheist, an agnostic, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, the law of sowing and reaping applies to everyone everywhere. It is just the way the world works. It's not bad. It's not good. It just is. 
It's just here and it's just real. And so then he goes into this. He says, now don't be deceived. And I want to kind of stop there because I think this is super important. Um, when, when it comes to deception, what I think Paul is saying here is that it's possible for people like you and me to think that we're um, serving God or loving God uh, or devoted to God when we're really not. Uh, that it's possible for someone to say that they are following God. So they may wear God like a badge on their shirt, but he hasn't penetrated to their heart, to the heart underneath the shirt. And so he says, look, just don't be deceived. I want you to know, you know, where you stand with God. And then he says, God cannot be mocked. And I love this. What this means is that you and I, we can't outsmart God. We can't outmaneuver God, right? He can't be fooled. It means he can't be conned in the same way that maybe you and I tried to con our parents when we were kids. And maybe sometimes we'd win that con and sometimes we wouldn't. Let me tell you a couple things I would do when I was a kid. So when I was a kid, sometimes I'd try to con my parents uh, if I didn't want to go to school, for example, by saying that I was sick. And my mom always brought in the thermometer, right? And so she'd come in, drop off the thermometer. What would I do with the thermometer? I'm like sticking it up to a light bulb. I'm like sticking it up next to the heater. I'm trying to get that temperature to go, go up to make me look sicker than I really am so I don't have to go to school, right? Sometimes I won that game. Sometimes I didn't win that game. You know, she would kind of catch on. Here was another rule in my family where I would try to outmaneuver or outsmart my parents. One of the rules in our household was this, eat everything on your plate every time. Well, that included things like Brussels sprouts and asparagus and liver, things I didn't want to eat on my plate, right? So here's what we would do as kids to try to outmaneuver our parents. We would take the things we didn't want to eat, we'd wrap them up in a napkin, we'd stuff them in our pocket, and then we'd go to the bathroom Hey, mom, got to go to the bathroom. And then we would flush the food down the toilet, problem solved, right? So, and we've all done this. I mean, all of us have in one way or another tried to outmaneuver or outsmart our parents, right? And he's saying, listen, you can't pull one over on God. God knows what's in your pockets. God knows why you didn't go to school that day, right? He always knows what's going on. And every one of us in the room are guilty of, of trying to use a religious system to kind of outmaneuver or outsmart God, to create a loophole uh, that kind of gets God over a barrel. Let me give you an example. So sometimes, and <laughs> by the way, every religious system does this. You can do this for almost anything. So we would say, and this is a true statement, we, and we believe this here, we would say, God is a God of grace, and we live by grace. We don't live by the law. This has been the argument in the whole book of Galatians, right? We don't live by our obedience to the law. No, we live out of God's grace and mercy and out of his favor. We live by grace. We're not under the law anymore. 
Um, and then, uh, so what, what starts to happen then is somebody will say, oh, that's great. Here's my loophole. I've got God over a barrel because grace means I get to go out and live any way I want to, do anything that I want to do, and God has to forgive me. Bam, high five, right? Because we just outmaneuvered. We just think we outsmarted God. And he says, listen, God isn't like that. You can't fool God. God God doesn't get caught up by loopholes or legal jargon, right? Um, So super important. Yeah, so, and also I want you to know that when we talk about the law of reaping and sowing, the inevitability of reaping and sowing for everyone in this room, what we're saying is that all of your life is connected, In other words, what the law of reaping and sowing tells us is that where you are today is the result of the decisions, the habits, the practices, the words, the relationships of your past. And furthermore, where you will be tomorrow will be the result of the decisions, the habits, the relationships, the words, the thoughts that you think today. And I want you to know that when it comes to the law of sowing and reaping, God's forgiveness doesn't even nullify this law. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Sometimes we'll have people come here and they will have hit rock bottom. Uh, Maybe they were caught up in an addiction and so they were using drugs or they'd even kind of moved up to selling drugs and uh, they get arrested. They end up in jail. They get out of jail and they come here or in in jail, you know, because we have a vibrant, thriving jail ministry. Maybe they'll make a decision for Christ in jail and God will forgive them for that. And then they'll come to church here and they'll begin to grow and they'll begin to grow up into Jesus and, and learn about how to live life in an entirely different way. But you know what? There's still a court date looming right? I mean, God's forgiveness isn't going to uh, take that court date away. This is inevitable. It's the law of sowing and reaping, see, in effect. And even God's forgiveness doesn't always nullify the consequences of bad decisions from our past. This is just the way, you know, again, our world works. Um, So uh, this principle just is. And what else I want to say about this principle is this principle can work for you or it can work against you. Um, In other words, uh, if you reap, if you sow good seed in your life, if you are engaged in habits or practices or disciplines or decisions or friendships that are good for you, great good comes from that. You reap a good crop. You reap good fruit, right? On the other hand, if you make bad decisions and you're in relationships that pull you away from God or, you know, whatever, if you're, then you reap, uh, bad. Now, two things I want to say out of flow, out of this principle. First, we said you reap what you sow, and here's how I want to build on that. I also want us to see that you reap later, and you reap greater. You always reap later, and you always reap greater. So, later is why we sometimes envy 
irresponsible people who don't seem to suffer any bad consequences for their irresponsibility. And have you ever noticed this, that if somebody's irresponsible long enough, their irresponsibility becomes your responsibility? Have you ever kind of noticed the way that that works? But so you reap later, right? The consequences involved in reaping and sowing aren't always immediate. And again, you just look at farming to see this through, right? The farmer sows seed, but then he waits. And then he finally reaps. There's always a lag, so it always comes later. And greater means that the consequences are going to be bigger than you imagined that they would be. It is going to, the consequences are going to be worse than you thought they were going to be. And I want to be clear. The law of sowing and reaping doesn't know your name. It's not personal, right? Um, you know, it's, and it may not even be fair. Let me give you an example. Let's kind of wade into the fairness piece. So let's say someone loses their temper and they get so angry at somebody that they kill them and it took three minutes to do it. Well, then that person is going to spend the rest of their life behind bars for something that happened or something that went wrong in just two or three minutes of their life, right? And so, I mean, the consequences seem far greater than just those two or three minutes. See, this is, again, the law of sowing and reaping in play. We always sow later, and we always sow greater. And uh, sometimes uh, we blame God. Like, so we sow seed, and that seed grows bad weeds in our life and we go God why did you do this to me to which I think God responds I didn't do that to you you did this to you that's the the seed that you sowed you're only reaping what you sowed I told you it would be this way I told you this was the way the world worked right So the law of sowing and reaping isn't even necessarily about God punishing you. This is just about the kind of seed that you sowed and the kind of fruit or the kind of crop that would grow up from the seed that you sowed. It's just the way the world works. So let me give you some examples of this just to make this clear. So if you, if you consistently spend more than you make, you will accrue lots and lots of debt. That's the law of sowing and reaping. Here's another one. If you refuse to give or be generous out of selfishness or fear, you will never be anything but fearful and selfish. It's just the law of sowing and reaping. If you gossip about other people, it will always result in factions, in dissensions, in envy, in judgment, and in opposition. It's just the fruit that always grows out of gossip. No good fruit ever grows out of gossip. Only bad fruit. So important to understand this. So what this law does is it kind of starts to help us own our slice of the pie, 
right? Hey, I said that. I did that. I've been thinking that. This is on me, right? Now, if you're here this morning and you're 25 or younger, let me see your hand, okay? If you're here this morning and you're between 45 and 25, let me see your hand, okay? Awesome. So, uh, so I want to speak to those of you who are 25 and younger for a moment, okay? So I can tell you what the people who are 45 between, you know, who are a little older than you, a little further down the road, I can tell you what they're thinking. Do you want me to do that? I'm going to do it anyway. You may as well be along for the ride. All right, here's what they're thinking. They're thinking, I wish somebody had told me this when I was 25. That's what they're thinking. But here's the reality. Here's the reality. Listen, they were told this when they were 25. They were. But do, you know what? They, see, here's why they didn't heed it. Because they thought they had time. See, they thought, listen to me, they thought that they were too slick and too sophisticated for this law to apply to them. What they really thought, and they would never admit it, is that they could mock God. That's really what they thought. Because they, they had time and smarts, and when you have time and smarts, you can get by and you can get through, right? So what I'm saying is, see, they believed the same thing that some of you who are 25 right now, so the same thing that you believe right now. Because some of you are here and you're thinking this, oh, no, no, this isn't for me. I've got this. I'm good. I can avoid the law of sowing and reaping, to which God would say, oh, no, you can't. It's inevitable. And it explains so much about your life right now. It explains why you're so dissatisfied. It explains why you're so angry. It explains why you're so bitter. The law of sowing and reaping explains almost everything there is to know about our lives. It is. It explains why your marriage is in the shape that it's in. Whether you have a good marriage and a healthy marriage or whether you have a marriage that's dysfunctional and very painful for you. It explains your finances and all the fear and worry that you carry around associated with that. Whatever you sow, you reap and you always reap later and you always reap greater, right? Uh, now, I want to zero in on an error that I think interferes with our ability to process the law of sowing and reaping. And the error is this. It's the belief, and maybe we wouldn't verbalize it this way, but that one day you're just going to kind of wake up and you're going to be a man of God or a woman of God. You're just going to wake up godly. And it's going to like happen in a moment. So in other words, we're all kind of looking for that silver bullet. You know what I mean? Uh, we're, we're all kind of looking for that one sermon that, that's going to take us to the next level. That one worship song where the sky's going to part and the choir's going to sing and all kinds of good things. And we're just going to be godly, right, in a moment. Uh, and listen, here's what, here's what the law of sowing and reaping tells us. That's not the way life works. That's not the way our world works. 
we become men and women of God as we sow seeds in that direction, right? As we do the work of sowing seeds, as we embrace certain habits and practices and disciplines, and as we learn how to renew our minds and think different thoughts, right? So what I'm telling you is that uh, the law of sowing and reaping tells us that we become mighty men and women of faith over time, and, and sometimes there's a lag, and when we don't see the fruit in our lives that we want to see, right, sometimes we get discouraged and we give up. But again, the law of sowing and reaping says, listen, there's always a lag between when you sow the seed and when the fruit will grow. And so what ends up happening, right, when we think that way, is we, uh, we, we go, well, you know, I, man, I, I'm just not cut out for this. You know, this whole Christian gig isn't working for me. It's, so we get discouraged. We want to give up, right? Or here's another way discouragement can set in. It's the new year. Some of you probably, how many of you have at least one New Year's resolution? <laughs> like two of us, wow. <laughs> well, okay, so here's the deal, right? This is why we don't do New Year's resolutions anymore, right? Because how many times have you had a New Year's resolution that you failed to keep, right? So you go, you know what? I'm just not going to do them anymore. I'm not even going to go and do that. But let's say you set a New Year's resolution and you said, you know what? I'm going to have a quiet time Every day, I'm going to read seven chapters of the Bible a day, and then you hit Leviticus, right? And it all comes crashing down, and then you look around, and you go, man, everybody else seems to be doing good. You know, I, man, I wish I was doing better. Uh, so I want to talk about the, the way this works through the, through the lens of the law of sowing and reaping, okay? Let's just say... Let's say you gave up, because here's the deal. Listen, small seeds, small seeds grow really, really big trees. What if you just said, like, you said, you know what? I'm going to meditate on like half a verse. And I'll give you an example of this. I'm going to meditate on half a verse today. And I'm going to dig into that. I'm going to think on it. I'm going to ruminate on it. I'm going to chew on it. And I'm going to... Think through how that applies to me and how I can live that out today. And how long would it take you to read half of a verse? Here's what I'm telling you. You don't have to read seven chapters a day for God to work in your life because small seeds can grow really, really big, big trees. Let's just say that you got up one day and you read the first half of Psalms 1-1. The Lord watches over the path of the righteous. That's one sentence. <clears throat> the Lord watches over the path of the righteous. Half a verse. But what if all day long you were just chewing on that? The Lord watches over the path of the righteous. And, and you kind of chewed on it till you felt that verse. You knew that verse. It was inside you. Well, now all of a sudden you're thinking about the gospel. You know why? Because you're going, hey, wait a minute. Because of Jesus, God sees me as righteous. Therefore, he pays special attention to me, to my steps. This means that God's eyes are always fixed on me. He cares about what comes across my path, what might obstruct my path, what might... Um, 
you know, prevent me pr- from walking my path. He cares, right? I mean, that carries a ton of weight when you encounter obstacles or mountains or barriers, right? All because you just meditated on half of a verse. The Lord watches over the steps or the path of the righteous, I mean, it's just so reassuring, right? Because it means that God is not driving the ambulance late at night trying to get it, find his way to your house to do triage at the last minute. God knows. He knows you and he's got you. He knows you and he's got this. Whatever this is for each of you. Now, what if you did that every day for 30 days? 28 to 31 days a month, right, depending on the month, you took half a verse or a verse and you just ruminated on it every day. What do you think your mind would look like in two years? See, but what we do is we try to take on too much, seven chapters a day, and we lose the forest for the trees, right? Or we lose sight of the trees for the forest, Listen, small seeds grow really, really big trees. Now, uh, I want to pick on the men for a minute because oftentimes when I talk to men about small seeds and beginning to sow seeds to their spirit, a lot of men will say something like this to me, Pastor, I'm not a reader. I don't read. I don't comprehend well. Now listen, I'm not talking about, because there are some of you in the room who have an honest-to-goodness learning disability. I'm not talking about that, all right? Uh, what I'm talking about is uh, when we really do read, but we don't, we don't think we do. Let me give you an example. Because that same guy that would say to me, hey, pastor, you know, I'm not a reader. If he's going to go out and buy a car... He's going to get online. He's going to research all the cars. He's going to research the best interest rate. He's going to research the best place to buy that car. He's going to research the best kind of car to buy. Now, what do you got to do to research? I think you got to read, right? We do. Uh, Or let's say, let's say, I bet when it comes, you know, to fitness, You know, we're going to do a little reading. I bet when it comes to catching up on your favorite sports team, you're going to probably do a little reading here and there. I bet when it comes to hunting or fixing your car, you're going to do a little research. I bet when it comes to your health or to diet, you're going to do a little research or a little reading. And here's what the law of sowing and reaping tells us. It tells us, I mean, our interests just reveal that we're lazy when it comes to the things of God. I mean, listen, in the amount of time that you and I could sit down and watch a sitcom every single day, and a sitcom, by the way, is 20 minutes. It's not 30 minutes because 10 minutes of that is commercials. So I'm talking 20 minutes a day. In the time it would take you to sit down and watch a sitcom, You know, if you were to take that time and use it differently, sow seed in a different direction of your life, it can make all the difference. But I think if we were really honest with ourselves, the logical conclusion, listen, this is hard to hear, but we need to hear it. I had to wrestle with this in my own heart and mind this week. I think that that what that reveals is that there, there are things that we love more than we love God. There are things that we love more than we love Him. And we make time for what we love. 
And I'm not saying that you don't love the Lord. I'm just saying that there are some things that you love more. And it shows in the way you spend your time. And it shows in the law of sowing and reaping. So let's look at what he, where he goes after this. He says this, For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. And I want to dissect that word corruption. Uh, so this is a word that you would use to describe rust that would gather on a piece of metal. This is a word that you could use to describe cancer that might ravage a human body. Um, this word corruption is a, a word, like, it's like a word that would represent the word decay. Like a decaying corpse, like it's rotting, it's no good, like rotten fruit. Uh, so he says, if, if you sow seed to your flesh, it, it grows rotten, decaying, cancerous, rusty kinds of things. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Now listen, here's what I need you to know. Here's what we need to walk away with this morning. We, you and I, every one of us in this room, you have two natures. And those natures are opposed to one another. You have a fleshly nature. We all have one. Uh, you can think of your flesh in this way. Your flesh is what, want, what leads you to want immediate, anytime you want immediate gratification. Anytime you want to anesthetize yourself from a problem by having too much to drink or taking a drug, that's your flesh. Because your flesh wants immediate gratification and it wants independence from God. And then you have a spiritual nature. And no matter where you are in your spiritual journey here this morning, if you're an atheist or an agnostic, you still have a spiritual nature. Uh, and those two natures, so you've seen the cartoons, right? There's a, the old cartoons, they'd, they'd put a devil on one shoulder and a little angel on the other, and they would dialogue, and the character would kind of process the decision through these two voices. The reason we all relate to that is because we all have these two natures. We have a fleshly nature, and we have a spiritual nature. And what it's so important that we understand is that those two natures are diametrically opposed to one another. Your fleshly nature, your flesh wants to live independently of God, but your spirit wants to live close to God. It wants to live surrendered to God. It wants to uh, benefit from the resources of God. It wants to funnel the resources of God into your, into your uh, life. Whereas your flesh just wants to kind of keep everything within, right? Do it yourself. Do it yourself. You can do this through self-discipline, self-talk, right? That's your, that's your flesh. Um, and so here's what I want to do to help us understand this. Oh, no, before I do that, I, I do want to read Galatians 5.19. So, because he talks about the kind of fruit that grows up out of the flesh versus the kind of fruit. So in other words, when we sow seed to our flesh, when we pay attention to our flesh, when we feed our flesh continually, this is the kind of fruit we can expect in our lives. 
And then if I sow seed, if I pay attention to, if I feed my spiritual nature, then this is the kind of fruit I can expect to grow up. Here's what he says. Now the works of the flesh are evidence, sexual immorality. In other words, I'll never know true love. The only kind of love I'll ever know is a selfish love where I just want someone for their body. Impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. Let me stop there. Sorcery, because a lot of you are thinking like witches and witchcraft. And really at the heart of this word is just the word control. Because after all, if you're in your flesh, you know, you want to live independently of God. And so you have to be in control and you have to control everybody else in your life. So this is the kind of fruit that flows up out of our flesh, right? Then he goes on. Um, uh, Enmity, uh, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions. Let's just stop there for a minute. See, this explains all the problems you have in some of your relationships, right? Uh, It explains why you have someone who you dislike and someone who dislikes you or someone that you talk badly about and also talks badly about you because you've been sowing seed. Gossip is a seed we sow to our flesh. And so it always grows dissensions, factions, rivalries, disagreements, and judgment. That's the only kind of fruit gossip can grow. There is no good fruit that comes from gossip. None. But yet, we do it, right? Then he goes on. Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. And then he contrasts that with the kind of fruit that comes into our lives when we sow seeds to our spirit. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, right? Against those kinds of things, you don't even need to have a law, right? So what he's saying is, look, I need you to see that the fruit of these two natures is drastically different. So the question becomes, to which nature have you been sowing the most seed? To which nature have you been sowing the most seed? Because here's a reality. To help us understand this, I want to kind of show you a cute video. Uh, This is a video of two puppies playing. And uh, isn't it a good day when you can come to church and just watch puppies play? Sure, it is. It's a good day. So these two little guys are cute, and you're going to see them frolic and play around and bark at each other and bite each other and scratch each other, all in the name of fun. It's not serious, right? Now, I'm just going to pause somewhere here. All right, let's just pause right there. Now, here's what I want you to imagine. I want you to imagine that, that these two puppies represent your, the two natures that live with inside of you, your flesh and your spirit. And let's say that you picked one of these dogs that was going to be your favorite and you said, that's the dog that I'm going to, I'm going to give all my attention. That's the dog I'm going to feed. That's the dog I'm going to nurture. That's the dog I'm going to pay attention to. If you did that with only one of those dogs, what do you think would happen to the other dog? it would slowly, slowly decay, right, until it died, and then it would rot. 
See, this is the language that the Bible uses about our two natures. This is the language of corruption, that word that we just looked at, right? Okay, so here's what I want you to see. Here's what I want you to hear. This is, listen, this is the whole day right here, so dial in. Listen, if you've been sowing, the, the, the nature that you pay the most attention to, the nature that you feed the most... When those two natures come into opposition with one another, that's the one that's going to win every time. So if all you ever do is pay attention to your flesh and sow to your flesh and nurture your flesh and seek out immediate gratification at every turn, all the while ignoring your spirit... Anytime they come up against one another when there's a decision to be made or a relationship to be nurtured, do you know what's going to happen? Your flesh is going to win every time. I mean, this is what we would see in a puppy, right? If I only fed one of those puppies, that puppy is going to go stronger at the expense of the weaker puppy. And so let me just ask you, to which nature have you been sowing the most seed? To which nature have you been sowing the most seed? If you sow to your flesh, you reap corruption, rust, cancer, decay. But the one who sows to his spirit will from that spirit reap eternal life. And this is so important. Listen to me. When, when, when we read these words, eternal life, this is a very restricted and narrow interpretation of this, the Greek word that's here. It, when we just say eternal life, what it makes us think of is, okay, heaven when I die. That is not at all what this word, it does mean partly that, but it doesn't mean only that, all right? This is more than eternal life. It refers to the kind of life that overcomes. It refers to the undefeatable, unconquerable, indestructible kind of life that you receive from God when you were born again on the day that you first said yes to Jesus. It refers to the better, higher, wider, deeper, fuller kind of life that Jesus came to bring to you and to me now, today. Not when I go to heaven and when I die, but the kind of life that God, the kind of overcoming life, the kind of healthy life God wants me to have right now. This is why Jesus says stuff like John 10.10, right? The thief, meaning the devil, only comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I've come that they might have life and have it to the full right? So Jesus' work in the gospel isn't focused on heaven. It culminates in eternity. It culminates in heaven, but it's focused on today, now, this moment, which you and I are never going to have again. We're never going to get back. Every moment uh, concerns the kingdom of God. So what he's saying is when you sow to your flesh, you reap from the flesh what the flesh has to offer. And when you sow to the Spirit, you receive from the Spirit what it has to offer. So what you sow, you will reap. You want to sow rebellion? Go right ahead. Rebel all you want to. But rebellion grows bad fruit every time, every day. 
in every possible way. It just does. You know, you want to sow legalism? You want to sow license? You will reap what you sow because small seeds make really big trees. And in the case of the flesh, we could say it differently. We could say, small, when I sow to the flesh, small seeds make really deep weeds. Small seeds make really deep weeds because people who sow to the flesh and only to their flesh... They just get lost. They just lose their way. The weeds grow too high and it obscures their visibility and they lose their way and they wander all of their lives. Right? Because small seeds don't just make really big trees. Small seeds also make really deep weeds. So let me just ask you, what are you planting? What, where are you sowing? In your life, are you sowing to your flesh or are you sowing to your spirit? Let's just look at the last week. Let's think about the last week of your life. Just honestly, I'm, not, I'm just asking you to process. I'm not asking you to raise hands or make an admission or a confession. I just want you to think through your life this week. Where did you sow the most seed? And if you say, well, pastor, you know what? I don't really think I sowed any seed. Oh, yes, you did. What that tells me is that you sowed to your flesh all the time, every time. See? Because you're wandering, right? You're not purposeful. You're not moving somewhere. Sowing nothing is sowing to your flesh, right? So, um, so let me just ask you. Um, in 2020, will you make a decision with me that we are going to do things differently this year. I'm not asking you to make a resolution. I'm asking you to see it through. That's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to make a decision that you will intentionally sow to your spirit um, in, in the year 2020. And let me just be real clear about how you do that. I'll ask a few questions. Are you serving when you serve, you are sowing seeds of righteousness. Are you serving? Are you putting a towel over your arm? Do you have a ministry? Are you generous toward the things of God? Are you investing in something more permanent and lasting than even just your own family? Are you investing in something outside of and beyond your family? Are you, are you in community? Are you in a small group? Are you gathering regularly with a group of people, whether you're gathering around the Word of God and you're chewing on it together and you're talking about it and discussing it? That's sowing a seed to your spirit, right? Are you reading and meditating on God's Word every single day? Right? Again, every time we open God's Word, whether it's half a verse or seven chapters, we are sowing seed into our life, into our spirit. So let me ask you again. Where do you spend the majority of your time sowing seed? Is it pressed into your flesh or your spirit? And here's why it matters so much. Oh, here's another way we sow seed. Do you have a vital, active prayer life? Is your day punctuated by prayer? I'm not saying you have to spend an hour in prayer. I'm just asking if you have a prayerful life before your heavenly Father. How often do you pray? When you pray, you sow seeds to your spirit. 
to your spiritual nature. See? And wherever you sow the most seed, when there's opposition, that's the nature that's going to win. So will you do it differently? And here's why this question is so important. Because one day, your flesh nature is going to die. One day, the body you inhabit will cease to breathe. And the only thing that will live beyond that is your spirit, your, that nature. You could call it your soul, but, but that spiritual nature is what will, will live. And so the only thing that will matter is the seed that you sowed there, right? I'm asking you to sow your life into what matters and what will ultimately last and to not just be in the weed business.